Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Team Performance Winning Ways for Uncertain Times. I'm Christian Napier, your host, and I am joined by the man in gray this week, not the royal purple, but the man in gray, Spencer Horn. Spencer, how are you doing? I am doing fantastic. I always look forward to this, and I'm so happy. I got a smile on my face because we've been talking, so doing fantastic, and again, have a great guest coming back. Yeah, we've been talking for so long, we finally just decided, well, we better hit the record button or we're going to have nothing to say by the time we actually do this podcast. And once again, we're not alone, Spencer. We're joined this week again by Jennifer Lear. And Jennifer, welcome back. Thank you so much for making some time to continue our conversation from last week. It's so good to have you. Absolutely. Thanks, Christian. Thanks, Spencer. Well, we had so much fun last week and I I feel like I can talk to you guys for hours and then never still complete, but I just had such a great time and um, I'm I'm, I'm honored to be asked back. So thank you so much for that. I think I asked myself back, but here we are. So thanks for keeping my invitation. No, I'm sure you didn't because we were so excited. We're like, we have more to talk about. So thank you for coming. Coming back. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we, we just before we get into, we don't have to do the big intro like we did last right. time. Everybody no. knows how amazing you are already. Oh, you're kind. But we were sitting talking about just some of the things that we're doing right now to keep focused and staying busy. And and one of the things that our illustrious host was doing with his time is developing some of his talents. And I actually, he, he recorded it on YouTube. And so I sent it to you, Jennifer. So, so why don't you just share what we were talking about? <laughs> well, you know, I'll tell you, yeah, of course, Spencer knows that I'm a singer and, and I appreciate music. And so uh, Spencer said, hey, by the way, Christian is this amazing composer. So here's one of his compositions that you would that you would enjoy. So I listened to this song multiple times, Christian, by the way. So I listened, I was so beautiful, so beautiful. And um, I sent a message to Spencer and I said, oh my God, this is so beautiful. I need to write lyrics to it. And Spencer said, well, this is actually one of the most popular hymns in history. (laughs) There's already lyrics to it, but if you'd like, Um, but no. So, and I was asking Christian, you know, how did this come about? So Christian, I I think that's really interesting of what you did. Because I think this is actually going to tie into kind of the theme of what we're talking about and what we talked about last time, you know, maybe how to make transition and change and, and how to, how to pivot or pirouette as we were talking about before. So how, how did, what was the genesis of you recording this piece of music? Well, first of all, I'm not uh, actually pursuing a career in music because that would be suicide for me or my wife would kill me. So maybe it would be a murder suicide situation. But um, and funny. The, gen- <laughs> the, the genesis of this was I, uh, I have a guitar, which I have played for a long time, sporadically, usually during the holidays. I, I pull it out. I play some Christmas tunes. When the holidays are over, I get busy again. The guitar goes back in the closet and it sits there all year long. COVID comes around. I'm sitting around trying to figure out what I'm going to do with my life. How am I going to pivot? I see this guitar staring at me. I'm like, hey, maybe I should uh, pick that thing up and play it. Mm -hmm. So I pick it up. It's not Christmas. Uh, I don't really know any other stuff. uh, What am I going to play? So so I'm thinking about church hymns uh, for whatever reason. Yep. Because I have played those periodically in the past just for myself, not, not, not for other people. And then I realized I can't remember how to play most of the things that I've played. So I have this idea in my head, okay, I'm going to remember a song a week. I'm going to remember one song a week and I'm going to record it on video so that next year, if something happens and I pull the guitar out again and I forget how to play it, well, I'll be able to remember because I can look at the video and I can see myself playing the guitar. So I did this 
And then I had the really crazy idea, well, I bet my mom would like to hear this. So how am I going to do that? Well, maybe I'll just put it up on YouTube and then I'll send her a link and she can listen to it. And it kind of turned into what I call the hymn of the week. And so I've, I've recorded a couple and my goal is to just kind of keep doing this and do one hymn a week for as long as I can. We'll see. I love that. And I'll tell you why I love that so much is because that's how people oftentimes will find what their passions are or transition. Like they'll make those little steps and all of a sudden they just keep doing it and they do it for them. And all this, and, and not that this is like you said, you're, you may not go into you know music or doing this for a full-time thing, but exploring those avenues and just doing something because it's fun helps people find what their passions are if they don't already know, or maybe even, you know, it's like, you know, I love to, somebody likes to put flowers together. Who knows? You know, it's, it's doing it for fun that all of a sudden they decide to, you know, have a passion with it or, or it takes precedence over their current job. And I love that story so much. So I'm glad that you're doing that. Well, thank you very much. It's very kind. It's been a lot of fun. And and actually, this podcast is another one of those things, right? We we're looking around and saying, hey, where's, you know, what can we do to connect with people? And we decided, Spencer and I, you know, why don't we do a podcast? Let's try it. And it's been a huge amount of fun. And as a result, we get to meet great people like you. Well, thank you. This is very, very cool. This is very cool. You know, and we were talking last week, you, you were so eloquent about talking about how to pivot and using your experience in the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest takeaways that, that we had was just the importance of, of education and self-improvement, just kind of like what we're talking about here. And I know that you have more thoughts on, on this. Mm-hmm. And so I'd love for you to, to, to open that back up and saying, okay, how do we get, how do we really maximize this time? you know, focusing our, our, our energies on, on the future, if you will. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, it's interesting because I think innately built into the entertainment industry is, is the, is the inability to get comfortable is the inability to get really to, is to get settled into a humdrum world. Now there are, there are those little things and there are a couple of shows that were, they were not the norm. They were definitely, you know, something that was was not common is that there were two shows in Las Vegas, maybe three, but two for sure, Jubilee and uh, uh, Foley's Berger, uh, that were longtime shows, you know, 40, 50 years, just shy of 50 years for one. And that's um, amazing. How, yeah, it is amazing. And there are some people who were performing almost as long inside <laughs> those shows. Um, not quite. I mean, obviously you age out, but, um, or your body starts hurting or whatever happens, but they were there for 10, 15 years, maybe sometimes 20, you know, there are people that went there and they stayed there. And it was funny because I was, I was in Follies Berger for a year and a half. I could have, I could have died there. You know, I could have stayed there forever, but I had other things that I wanted to do. I wanted to spread my wings and get more, um, you know, get more, uh, uh, experience doing other things, but plus, Oh, actually I think I was fired. Yeah. I could have been. Yeah. So what <laughs> happened was, yeah, it was, it was actually this is a really great story because you, you blocked that out almost. Yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. What happened was so, okay. So ironically in, um, you know, in, in the world of entertainment, especially Las Vegas, you have to have a certain weight that they would make you keep. So I always struggled with my weight, always, always, always. And I just wasn't a, I wasn't one of those skinny dancers. It was difficult for me to do it. I'm Lebanese is my ethnicity. I love to eat. I love good food. And um, it's hard, it's hard to not, you know, have to starve myself and then fit into these costumes. Well, so I was always on weight notice. They hired me at one weight and they, um, seriously, so this weight notice is a thing and they would weigh you once a week. They would weigh you once a week to make sure you 
oh my goodness. in the weight range. I was always over. And so, and I was just their problem child. Like I just, I, I just had the hardest time. So they had to make different costumes. I'm proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> for, yeah. Back then I didn't feel good about it, but now I'm super proud of myself for being a problem child. And so right. I, um, they had to make new costumes for me and everything. And they had to really work on, you know, my hips, my whatever, my, you know, whatever was too much for them to handle at the time. And so I, um, I was, I was being weighed once a week. Well, it got to the point where I was just like, I hated the buildup for every Sunday or every Saturday, whenever they weighed me, I hated it. So I said, you know what, screw this. I'd rather be weighed once a day, um, every day rather than, you know, every week. And, um, and, and she said, okay, she said, so, um, and when you, when you create a consistent weight, um, I'll stop weighing you every day and then you can go on about your life and then you won't have to worry as much. I'm like, fabulous. And so I realized one day I walked into the office where they would weigh everybody. There's a, like a doctor scale. So the thing that you, you know, move the, the thing at the top and it, yeah, you know, very precise. Down. Yes, very precise. And I walked into the office one day and I saw that they rearranged the furniture so that there was a filing, a very tall filing cabinet just to the left of the, um, of the scale. So the, the scale was right next to the filing cabinet. I went, oh my God, she's going to have to stand on my right because I'll be standing on the scale and to my left will be this filing cabinet. And I thought, if I lean on that filing cabinet ever so slightly, I bet you I can raise that or, you know, lower that weight on the scale so I can <laughs> lean on it. Sure enough, it worked. I leaned on that filing cabinet ever so slightly and it let me up about five pounds off of that scale. And so <laughs> I was weighing consistently and she's like, wow, I think you're doing good. They didn't say, gee, don't look any smaller, but your weight is, your number is right. And so I just kept doing that and they left me alone for like the last six months of that contract. And, um, I didn't like it there anyway. It was a very difficult place to be. And so at the end I wasn't what they wanted. Like I, they wanted a different look. They wanted a, a tall, skinny girl. And so it was at the end of the contract, I said, Hey, I'm going to sign this, but if you don't sign this for me, saying I don't have a weight, weight issue or have to weigh me anymore, then I'm going to walk. And she goes, great, because you're fired. I went, okay, this is perfect. And that's how it ended. You and I would have been fired a lot sooner than that, Christian. Well, I never would have been hired, <laughs> <No>. so <laughs> I wouldn't have been fired. But Jennifer, I want to come back to this, this weight topic yeah. because you touched on it last week. Mm-hmm that um, when you were younger, you lost 100 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but we didn't really understand what it took to lose all that weight. So I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about what that was like, uh, being young and going through that transformation. Absolutely. So, you know, it was interesting. I, like I said, I grew up chunky and I gained more weight as I went through puberty and in high school and all the emotions and hormones as a young girl. And plus I was not, I had a very difficult time when I was young. So I ended up eating for comfort, eating for happy, eating for sad, eating for everything. And at at some point I was hundred pounds overweight. And so here I am 230 pounds at 18 years old and leaving, graduating high school, not knowing what I'm going to do. I had no direction. Nobody helped me with education or, or I was in choir. I didn't know that I could go and get a, a music scholarship anywhere. And I could have, 
you know, I just, I was so afraid. I had no idea what to do and no leadership and no guidance. And so I barely graduated high school. I was a horrible student. So I, when I tell you I barely graduated, I mean, I didn't know if I was graduating until the last day. And I happened to be, I was skipping school a lot. I was just such a misguided youth. I was just miserable. And so I missed the day that they were handing out the slip for graduation. And I had to literally go up to the counselor's office who wasn't there. And there's a stack of slips that says here, you're graduating. This is what you show up with. And I was looking through the slips. Mine was the very last one on the, on the, um, in the stack. And so I didn't know, I thought I'm not graduating. This is exactly what's going to happen. But either way, there was so much fear in me. And, um, I, I actually ended up leaving my house at the age of, uh, 18, I was uh, in a real tumultuous relationship with my parents and stuff, very difficult. And um, so they kicked me out 18 years old. I left and I was sleeping um, on, on friends' couches and my car and wherever I could at the time when I would run, when my welcome would run out at friends' houses. And um, I ended up meeting this woman who ran a talent troupe, a girlfriend of mine who was a little young, skinny blonde and super adorable. She said, Hey, I think you would love Linda and I think she'd love you. And I know you love to sing. Maybe you should, you know, try out for the talent trip. I think she'd love you. So I went to go meet her. I auditioned for her and she said, you know, what are you doing for this? Like with this voice you have, you're tremendous. And I said, nothing. I'm trying to find a job. I'm trying to find a place to live. This is, I, I don't know. I have no direction. And she said, look, she said, you have something amazing, but you need to lose weight. You can do this for a living and you have such legs with this, but you need to lose weight. Um, if you're going to work in this industry, and I said, I need help. I don't have a place to live. I don't have a job. I don't know. I don't know what to do. You know, what do you suggest? And she said, look, she goes, you can come live with me. You can clean my house for your rent and I'll help you. I'll just be there to support you through this process. So I go end up um, living with her, but they didn't have an extra room. It was a small house and she had three kids. And so they cleaned out a walk-in closet for me. That was a separate like closet area, like walk-in closet size. And, um, they put a single mattress in there, which totally took the whole area. And that's where I lived for a year's time with, with her. Her name's Linda, still dear, dear friends today. And um, she was the support that I needed. Nobody ever told me that I could do this for a living. Nobody ever gave me that, that push or that support. And so through that time period, I lost 100 pounds. Um, she actually fired me from cleaning her house because I was a terrible housekeeper, but she let me stay there anyway. <laughs> and I was able to go find a job um, working at a men's clothing store, a big and tall men's clothing store. And so that's what I did. I lost 100 pounds. I started uh, going to, back then it was the late 80s. And so the karaoke bars were just coming up and there was a big thing. So there was about a, a, a contest a week and I could win $100 if I won the karaoke contest. So I'm sneaking in because I'm only um, 18, almost 19 by now. And, um, so I'm going in and, and going to these karaoke bars and that's how I cut my teeth and learned how to perform by singing at these karaoke bars, sneaking in, you know, all this, all many nights a week and earning a hundred bucks here and there for some money. And that's, that was kind of my journey from, from 18 years old, no home, no direction, no future into then losing the weight, having some support and direction and focus. And during this time, as I'm just doing what I love without anything else, I'm just singing at these karaoke bars for some extra money. Somebody said, Hey, there's this band that's auditioning for a singer. And I think that you'd be great for them. 
And I was like, really? And so I had seen, I grew up in Las Vegas, by the way. So I had seen lounge bands here and I used to sneak into the lounges. I was 16 and 17 and I would just idolize them up on stage and wanted to be there so badly, but didn't think that it was a reality for me. Remember at that time, I'm still hundred pounds overweight. And, um, and so at this time, after I've lost my weight or in the process to almost finishing that, singing at the karaoke bar, somebody said, go audition for this band. I went and audition. I was 19 years old. I lied about my age and he knew I was hungry, but super green, but he gave me the job uh, anyway. And he knew I was totally lying. I told him I was 24 years old. He knew I was lying about my age. He had to be 21. And um, he gave me the gig and literally my whole life took off from there. And that showed me a few different things It showed me follow your passion, do what you love, you know, and, um, support yourself along the way, doing what you need to do to make money, but, you know, find, do things that you, that you love and, and something will eventually, um, take off for you with that. And that was, that was super powerful for me. And also, you know, focus on, focus on your outcomes because people often ask me, how did you lose that much weight? Now I was, I was 18. So I lost the 100 pounds in about a 10 to 12 month time period, but I was young, right? So it came off a little easier, but, um, I never looked at what was like, I never looked at myself that day. I always just kept that vision of what I wanted to look like. And that's what kept me going forward because I never looked in the mirror and was happy with what I was seeing. I literally had to just keep focusing on the goal and focusing on the goal and taking action every single day and knowing that eventually, um, that was going to take shape and it certainly did. So that was my experience. I have a very quick follow-up question. Have you ever thought what would life have been like if I had never met Linda? Absolutely. All the time. I think I would have gotten pregnant. I would have been married young or a single mom. I probably would have been a hairdresser and not that there's anything wrong with it, but it's something creative. I probably would have fell into and inexpensive to go and get a license. Um, and I would not have been, I'd have been living a, a very difficult life. I think, I think I had a, such a hard time living in the real world, you know, in this, in the secular world into a, a, a nine to five world. I don't think I could have done that. So I had to do something outside of that. And, um, that was my second, that was my go-to. Am I thinking that, okay, if I knew, if I had nothing else, maybe I can go cut hair. You know, one of the things that comes to mind as I hear the story, and I, I didn't know all this about you, Jennifer, and, and your stock in my eyes is, is, oh. is gone way up, but you know, I, I you know, you, you've been Miss Nevada and you, you work with it, with the, the Miss America pageant mentoring young women now as, and coming from a place of, of having that success uh, professionally and, and um, all of these things that, that you're doing, someone can look at you and say, how can she know about uh, hardship? I mean, they look at you and say, gosh, she's an overnight success. There's no such thing as overnight success. And I want you to, to speak about that as we go through this COVID-19 craziness. So many people are, are anxious for it to end, as, as am I. Things are not going to change for a long time. I mean, there, there's going to be some incremental change. What's the mindset that, that you would suggest that we have as we go forward and, and, and prepare for the, the new normal. Right. Um, when we have, when we are going through our day-to-day -day stuff, when we're going through everything that we're doing on a normal day before all of this happen, we as humans will distract ourselves from anything that's, um, 
emotional, difficult going through oftentimes. We don't go typically, wow, I'm feeling this very difficult emotion. Let me sit with this for a while and see what that's about. No, we go and we call a friend, we go shopping, we go out with the boys, we go do something to distract ourselves with everything. And right now we're faced with nothing but having to face everything that we're feeling and going through. And and the fear, the the widespread fear that is, is you know taking over the uh, every single human in this world of not knowing of the uncertainty. And it's interesting because, you know, I don't know about you, but I go through these range of emotions that I used to go through either in a week or a month. Now, sometimes I'm going through it in a day. So I have to really work on keeping focused. And, and, I, and I look back to when I was losing that weight when I had no idea what the outcome would be, when I had nothing in my life and I didn't know if it was going to make it better or worse or, or what else it was going to be. And, and I'm 18. So I also had a very limited view of the world and what was possible. And all I did was keep going on faith, knowing that if I did the right things every single day, everything would be fine. Everything would work itself out somehow, some way. Everything always does. If you look back on history and in, in the way the world has worked, the, the devastations that we've gone through at, at every single point, it irons itself out. And all of a sudden there's a smoothness to it. And then people have amnesia. They get back to, to being in a great life. And every single time the world is even better than it was before. And I work on keeping my mind focused on those things. The moment I have fear or doubt or uncertainty or feeling lack, I'll, I'll always say, no, you have the power to make something happen right now. Make a phone call, make an email, do something to make, uh, to move something forward. And it gives me hope. It gives me that inspiration. And so I'm, I'm literally throughout the day and I do a lot of, I've done personal development since I was, you know, that 18, 19 year old girl trying to work on keeping my weight down, changing my, my, That's only two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> God bless you. Thank you. That's why you're a good friend. Um, but you know, to have that. And so I'm, I'm, I've worked on this since I was young, it, like I said, within personal development, but here I am almost 50 and I'm still having to talk myself through it every day, all day, because I don't think it ever ends. And when something is, is, is as enormous as this, like, I think it's normal and human. I feel like it's normal and human to go through these emotions that we're feeling rather than going, no, I can't feel afraid. I have a family to provide for. No, I can't feel these emotions, you know, and that's where we get in trouble rather than going, okay, I'm feeling this fear. Okay. I'm going to let it process through. I know it's only a moment. And then I'm going to get back to what I need to get back to. And that has been so powerful. And when I work with people right now that are eating too much or drinking too much because they're home and there's not much else to do, I, I talk about those things. So I've had people reach out to me that know that I had the weight loss um, experience and, and kept it off for all these years. And how did I do that? Well, the reason why I've been successful is because I've been able to make friends with my emotions and know that every single emotion is intelligent and, and something that is benefiting me, even if it's quote unquote labeled, um, a, a quote unquote bad emotion, like anger or frustration or fear. Those are all wonderful, intelligent emotions that allow us to navigate through our lives and tell us when we need to have better boundaries or different, different, um, different actions that we have to take or, um, do more self care or things of that nature. This is such an intelligent time in history where if we can even just sit through this and do what we can to get through, you know, every day, uh, and really work on who we are as people and what we're feeling, it's, it'll be incredible to see who we, who we become through this process and the strength of character that we, um, that we can hold on to as we move forward, because 
all of us as a generation coming into this place and time um, that we're experiencing this, we're going to all come out stronger because we're going to understand how to do this. And then the rest of it's going to be easy because this is so difficult. So, you know, the, if I could tell anybody one thing, it's to feel those emotions, the fear, the self-doubt, the uncertainty, allow it to come through, process through, literally feel it. Like you can feel it in your stomach and just visualize it going through your chest, through the, through your neck, up through your head and out and just allow it to process. I will guarantee sometimes it might take more than a minute. Sometimes it takes five, but it will be gone. And then you can go about your normal day and then you can be as productive and um, as creative as you need to be for the rest of the day or otherwise it stays there for days, sometimes weeks. And so um, that's how I have learned to keep my mindset strong, asking myself powerful questions. What questions, how questions, what can I do to um, benefit myself right now? What can I do to reach out to a client right now? Um, how can I find something that's going to create value for a client or even um, find a place within my industry that nobody's thought of before that I could then tap into to create income and revenue? I mean, those are powerful questions to ask yourself. You've given us a lot to unpack there, Jennifer. And <laughs> and I know that you you just are scratching the surface on probably seven or eight different topics that you could probably dive into <laughs> with a lot of depth uh, into each of those. And I hope that our listeners will feel like they can reach out to you and ask you more questions and you can get involved in helping them. But I want to come to something that you discussed before we started the call. And I'll see if I get it right is this idea of venturing out and you have this framework called if you knew and mm -hmm. i want you to kind of describe what that framework is and how we might apply that in this time of uncertainty absolutely i know that spencer knows this topic very well and and this is something that i learned from my husband um i know this is something that that spencer teaches something that my husband who's also a speaker and trainer and author teaches too and um when i learned this it really blew my mind because it helped me stop thinking about right now in this moment, in the fear and anxiety or uncertainty that was coming. But the frame, and you said it correctly, is if you knew, if you knew that in two years after working your tail off or making 10 mistakes that you would have the life of your dreams after working hard, doing what was necessary and, um, and, you know, going through your challenges and, and uncertainty, if you knew that you'd have the life of your dreams after that two year time period, would you go through it and go through it happily? The answer is probably yes, that you would, right? Or if you knew you were going to have to make 20 mistakes and you didn't have a roadmap, but you were going to go like a pinball machine and, and, and go back and forth to really absolutely find the direction that you needed to go. But once you did, you would have a life better than you'd ever dreamed of. Would you do it? The answer is probably yes, but oftentimes we're so focused on making that mistake and going to that first wrong turn or going to that first challenge or that first adversity and go, I can't do this. This is terrible because you don't know when it's going to end. But, you know, I know that I think it's 50% of what we think isn't true, right? Because we have such fear and, and, and um, uh, worry about the future that hasn't even happened yet. So we're thinking about all the scenarios, but if we think about it and go, yeah, that's probably going to happen. It might happen. So there's, there's a thing called the Johnny Carson scale. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but no. sometimes, yeah, when, when something bad happens, we think, you know, the end of the world is happening. So Johnny Carson gave this scale 
that one to 100. 100 is you're dead. 75 is you've lost a leg. And one is a paper cut. How bad is it really on the Johnny Carson scale of things that are happening to us? And it puts things into right. perspective, right? Yeah, absolutely. But, absolutely. You know, it's interesting because I, I look at, like I was just talking to, I was just, so uh, we got a surprise visit by my kids on, on Sunday, which was so terrific. And I don't know how we got on the subject, but we were talking about the subject of living your dreams. So they're both, they're all three in college. So they're thinking about what they're going to be doing. So we were talking about um, how to, pick your path, how to, how to be happy, number one, but also how to pick your path. Sure. And I said, I said, you know, this is the thing I said, I said, oftentimes when you make just decisions and choices, you're looking at not only how it's going to affect you, but how it's going to affect everybody else around you. And, and, and that's at your age, like that's the last thing you should be thinking. Cause you don't typically have a, a husband or a, or a wife or kids at that time where you really have to worry about that. But most important is to, is to think about what brings your heart joy and follow that and do that no matter what everybody else thinks, then you know, everybody else will adapt. Most important thing is that you're happy because what if you worry about how things look or, or, you know, if I want to go do this job, but it's not as glamorous as something else I was going to college for, well, who cares? You know, go and make your heart happy because everything is going to follow in, in that path and your life's going to open up. You don't know what's possible, you know? So if we work aside from um, uh, other people's thoughts and opinions, we're going to find our direction. We're going to find out what really, truly makes us happy. And then starting to inch towards those things. And, and you know, I, 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 find, I find that, um, you know, finding your, uh, finding your direction or finding the next step or finding, you know, what, what we can, what we can do with, with gusto starts with knowing that no matter what the end result, if nobody dies and nobody ends up in the hospital, kind of to your point, Spencer, it's going to be all right. And that was a great therapist that told me that. Cause I was worried about something. She goes, somebody dead. No, is somebody going to go to the hospital? No. She goes, then you think you're going to be all right. Like, it'll is there any blood? That's what we all say to our kids. If you're bleeding and, and if they are, it's not that bad. You're okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I love Cher said something wonderful and I kept this with me forever. She said this years and years ago. She said, look, she goes, if something happens and I, and I feel horrible about it, or I'm worried about something happening and I feel horrible about something that didn't yet happen, if I can take that scenario and look at it like it's been in the past five years and I don't care, I'm going to do it because I know it's not that big of a deal. Now, if I look back in five years and I'm like, oh no, I probably shouldn't have done that, you know, then I should probably not do that. But I can tell by the enormity of something by if I can, you know, go forward five years and go, ah, no big deal. It was a choice, you know? And I, I love the, I love the, uh, the risk of failure in that scenario. Jennifer, one of the things that you said that I found um, really, really interesting is you mentioned that your children came over to visit you, yeah. that they are in college and that they are facing these uncertain times as well. Yeah. I have three children in college also, and they were babies when September 11th hit. They were too young to really be affected by the financial crisis of 2008. So this is really their first uh, time that they're going through a period of significant uncertainty. Yeah. Uh, up until now, everything has pretty much gone as planned. And the lesson that I'm taking away from what you're saying is that we need to actually heed our own advice. If we're telling our children, listen, when I was growing up in the 70s, we had oil embargoes, we had a double digit inflation, big unemployment, um, we were coming off the heels of the Vietnam War, we were in the middle of a cold war, we thought that World War Three could start, 
I, I was wondering if we'd make it to 1985 uh, without, without a nuclear war. And so I'm sitting here having this conversation with my kids. And then I wonder, am I actually listening to myself? Am I taking my own advice? I'm telling them, hey, everything's going to work out. It's going to be okay. And at the same time, I'm wondering, what in the world am I going to be doing with my business? I mean, everything has fallen to crap. It's just terrible. Maybe we just need to take a step back and take our own advice. I love that so much. I love that so much. And I touched on this last time we were talking too, that I work with, with speakers that are, 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 are people who are so successful in their worlds and they're afraid to make a change or do something different because they, they've gotten so used to being successful that they don't want to start over and start on the ground floor and, and follow their heart to do something. And so I think you're right. I think that's such a great um, piece of advice and super insight, Christian, on, on what that is for us as adults because we're looking at the kids, they're 20-something and so Daniel, our son just graduated, just graduated college last week. What a great accomplishment. And so, you know, no graduation, so no party, no anything. And, he, and we're like, so what are you doing? He's like, nah, I'm looking for a job. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> totally. And, you know, and his, his whole, um, his whole attitude around it is I'm looking for a job, you know, I'll be all right. He doesn't have, you know, it's, it's himself. He's got his girlfriend and there she's working and, you know, they don't have a lot of expenses. And so they could live on very little, but here we are, we've built all of this. We've built whatever this is. And so we're afraid of losing this. If we make a mistake, you know, and do something that maybe wasn't, uh, you know, I don't know, whatever mistake could possibly be made, but you know, we, we have built this enormous monster or, or vision in our head that, oh my God, if I make a mistake, I'll lose what I love and what I have and what I've built and what I've acquired, you know, but, but thinking back, like when you were a kid of something so simple that eh, if I make a mistake, I'll get a different job or eh, if I make a wrong turn, I'll go over here. And we could all use a little bit more of that. Yes. And, you know, I want to reprise just a couple of things that you said. It's interesting. You talked about some people were in the entertainment on the stage there for 20 years or longer. And, you know, a lot of people actually go to Las Vegas to extend their careers. You have people yes. like uh, Cher that you mentioned, Celine Dion, Elton John, even Sting right now is, is going. Right. And so they, they do what they've normally done. And now we can no longer do that. So that's one of the things you're talking about. Sometimes you have to reinvent yourself because yes. even though that's your comfort zone, you have to be willing to change. And you you hated that. You got out of it, mm -hmm. but you went into you know something completely different. So that was a that was a big message. Also, I love the fact that make friends with your emotions. We had my daughter on. I don't know if you've heard that that, that session. She was no. talking about how they get their kids together every week, and they would just say, "If you're angry or upset, it's okay to name it, to speak about it. We need to do that. That is that is so 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 important." Exactly. And, and one of the other things I just want to kind of wrap up here is, you know, you have a, a great marriage, you got great kids, you got a great husband. You know, people look at you and say, "Oh my gosh, she's she was born with silver spoon in her mouth," and you know, we look on social media, people are posting all their wonderful things and they can look at you and they see you on the stage and the glamour and all the stuff that you've done. And they can say, oh, she's got this perfect life, got perfect husband. She lives in Anthem, which is a beautiful neighborhood, beautiful house. And they have no idea of what it took to get there. mind. I'm going to touch on because I didn't finish my entertainment thought. There are two things that I forgot to that I totally got off track with. Um, as far as entertainment, I was going to mention that um, it's built into being having to be flexible. And 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 there are the two shows I talked about that were long term, people will go there and die there. But there, there are 
most of it, most of my time in entertainment, I had two month, three month contracts. And if I, sometimes I was in a show that would get canceled and all of a sudden, like we had hairspray here. Um, the Broadway musical was here for three months. It was supposed to be here for three years. And, but no, they were, I mean, they were told one night that we're done on Monday. So in entertainment, you have to be flexible. You have to always keep your, um, your eyes open and also keep educating yourself and keeping your skills sharp. So performers, singers, dancers, actors, we're always in classes. We're always looking to grow our craft. We're always doing something to grow and, and, and spread our, uh, um, our availability and bookability, right? So we, we never could get too comfortable in something. Never could, because you never knew when that plug was going to be pulled. And so in entertainment, I started out as a singer, but then I went to be able to dance as well. And then I also learned how to do on-camera work and hosting work. And then I started modeling and then I started doing this and I started doing that and started kind of going into the production side and the back end just to to constantly, you know, work and grow as we do in life, as we take on more responsibilities with jobs and we ultimately, you know, grow to this new person by the time we're in our thirties, forties, fifties, and sixties. And that's so wonderful because we're expanding constantly. And so, you know, just taking that time always to be ahead of the game. So I think this also gives us that, that poke that, Hey, you need to be always prepared for when something, when the bottom drops out, that's the one thing. So that's, that's really what, um, entertainment is made of. You're constantly having to reinvent. So I was lucky that I saw that and was able to be in that moment. But one other really important thing, um, that I heard just today, and I think this is so valuable that everything's happening ultimately for us, not to us. And life will always get not only back to normal, but to, or to a, to a something normal, but also be better as it moves forward. And, and this is what I want to share with you. So powerful. So there was this, he's a, he's a, uh, he talks about innovation and, um, artificial intelligence. And he's this like disruptive guy. He's a future, he's a futurist, but he talked about me during this time. He said, I've been like, swallowing, just ingesting content about pandemics and, 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 uh, things throughout history. And he said, it's really interesting during the plague, during the bubonic plague in Europe, it killed half the people, right? Because of that, there were all these clothes left over because there were only half the people there. All these clothes were just laying around. So all of a sudden cloth became very inexpensive because they had all this material that they would just reuse and, and make. And so along with this material, um, they started making paper. So they got this, um, this paper product from this cloth. And so there was so much cloth and then so much paper easy to make that paper then became inexpensive. So there's this guy, I can't think of his name. He was like, well, let me just, there's all this paper. Let me put, you know, develop this printing press that can do mass printing and I can make books for people. Cause back then books were so, so, so expensive because paper was so expensive. But when paper got inexpensive, he was able to make these books that were so inexpensive. Gutenberg. So yes. Gutenberg. So then all of a sudden there are all these books that were inexpensive so they could have this widespread literacy because people could learn how to read and then ultimately write. And so you look at this whole process of what happened and from this horrible devastation, this beautiful thing was able to come out, you know, and people were able to learn, have literacy and, and, and learn how to read and write. And I just, I look at that. I, I do, that is my nature. I, I will look at the positive always and what the silver lining is. And I've trained myself to do that. That's not something that I'm innately able to do. I had to, I had to work on that and, and it's a muscle to be built just like anything else mindset and, and, and keeping your mind focused in those places is something that I have to constantly divert myself to. It's gotten easier over the years, but it's something that I have to create. 
And um, because of that, I think that I'm able to be more nimble and I can be flexible and I could create and be open to other things as we move forward. So those are the two things that I want to get in there. Thank you for letting me do it. I just totally forgot that you what you wanted me to wrap up with, though. But you actually created a podcast called The Business of Love. And you are sharing wisdom and knowledge that you're learning about relationships and applying that to also business. And why don't you wrap up with, with that? But yes, yeah, so the podcast, The Business of Love, uh, with my husband, Dan Lear, and myself. And what Dan came up with is that and Spencer, like you, you know, he does so much uh, business coaching that he realized there are all these qualities of being successful in business that are the exact same uh, qualities to be successful in relationships, but people don't take them there. He, he really initially started this for men so that they could have better relationships and take things that they already knew how to do in business and take yeah, them. Yeah, but by himself, he's only half as good as he is with oh, you. Thank you. Thank you. I do appreciate that. Well, you know, as it is in the relationship. That's exactly right. <laughs> so well, maybe 35% um, is good. Yeah, okay. And, um, but it's been interesting because I do keep him on track on the podcast, but, um, you know, we talk about things and, and he's so great at, at doing that and, and being able to you know, change what you do in, in business from everything from like, um, from culture to, um, leadership sales, you know, all those things, uh, communication, we take all of those things in business and, and put it into relationships on how it's digestible that way and how you can work with it. And it's been amazing. I mean, we have a lot of female listeners, which I thought was more than I, I thought we would have. And they love having the communication tools and, and how to, how to overcome challenges and create more intimacy. I mean, just, we, we cover everything. So anything that would be looking like team building in a corporate environment, we take into the relationship to create more intimacy and more connection with your spouse. And so that's kind of an example of, of what we do. And we have a lot of fun with it. We love it. So Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us and, and giving us all of your knowledge and sharing your insights with us. If people want to find out more about you, the podcasts that you're doing, or any of the other projects or initiatives that you're involved in, what's the best way for them to find you? Absolutely. Um, you can email me at jennifer at nationalkeynotespeakers.com um, or jennifer at jenniferlear.com. And yeah, happy to share with you any of that great stuff. I'm building my website. So I'm actually putting my own website back up. So I'm excited about that, that I'm doing during this time. And uh, yeah, I'm around anytime. And Spencer, how will they find you? AltiumLeadership.com, A-L-T-I-U-M Leadership.com, or just email me, Spencer at AltiumLeadership.com. And likewise, you can find me at GP4.com, that's G-P-F-O-U-R.com, or email at CNapier at GP4.com. Listeners, thank you so much for liking and uh, subscribing to our podcast. We really appreciate it. And Jennifer, thank you again so much for joining us once more to share your knowledge and experience. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a joy. You guys are great.